Lord, with your offering this morning. Uh, we already read you the verse. If you would, just hold up your hands, your iPhone, your Android. Hallelujah, Father. Never let this be a time of duty. Always let it be an expression of love. This is a wonderful time of exchange. Where what we're saying as we give, we're expressing our gratitude. We're saying, Father, thank you. We know that everything that we have has come from you. And so this offering is an expression of our gratitude. But Father, this offering is also an expression of our love and our faith. For we're not afraid of tomorrow. We know that we can release from our hand what we have today. Because in the days to come, it'll return unto us in an increased measure. So we're not afraid of the future. It doesn't matter who inhabits the White House. It doesn't matter who sits in the seats of the Senate or the Congress. It matters who sits upon the throne. And our faith is in you alone. And it's also a sign of our devotion. Father, we're committed to spreading the gospel. So that those who have yet been untouched can be touched and those who have yet to be told can be told. So, Father, receive from your people this token of love and devotion and faith. And I pray, Father, that you'd be well pleased for the not being pressured or threatened, but they're just being given an opportunity. So I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name for unexpected increase, promotions that come from the craziest of places, and fulfillment of the desires of their heart. In Jesus' name, and everyone said... Amen. If you would at this time, please bring your offerings forward to the receptacle on either side. And if you used your iPhone to text to give, just drop it off. I know people that can unlock it and a pastor who would appreciate it. Hallelujah, Father. trying to set my clock but it must be a divine I can't seem to do it so it must not be the Lord's will at least that's the way I'll interpret it so I do have I told Cleve thank you princess by the way I told Cleve when we were sitting in the back I said I said Cleve the, the spirit of prophecy is all over me I have a prediction. Here's my prediction. Y'all shall leave before I finish today's sermon. I won't get this thing done. Amen. Today I want to share a few thoughts with you. And like I said, I'm just going to be laying the groundwork and we'll try to tidy it up next week. But I want to talk to you. Go ahead and put that, the uh, graphic up. Let the king do his thing. And um, I want to start in Luke chapter 12, verse 32. 
And um, like I said, I'm just going to be laying some groundwork. This is such a massive statement that our master made that um, it's worthy of a lifetime of study. And we can't possibly do it in 38 minutes and 30 seconds. But then again, I never did set my alarm, so I got more than that. Um, but in Luke chapter 12, if you'll read the verses that came before and after, you'll discover what the Master is doing is giving us the antidote for things like fear and anxiety and worry. And what I want to say to you is this. The, cure, the kingdom's cure for your fear, for your anxiety and your worry is the knowing of what you have because of who you are. I want to say that again. God's cure for your fear, your worry, your anxiety is knowing what you have because of who you are. Not because of what you do. Not even because of what you've done. You know, we know that there's a parable of someone who worked really hard and succeeded and they stored everything they had into a, a barn. And the scripture calls them a fool. Because our safety net is not in our IRA or our 401k or any other program. Our safety net is knowing in what we have because of who we are. And we're children of God. So that's our safety net. And that's the only safety net, the only antidote to fear that the kingdom ever provides you is know who you are in him. If you know who you are in him, you never have a reason to fear. You never have a reason to be anxious. You never have a reason to worry. When you worry, it's because you're looking at the natural and wondering what you're going to do. What you ought to be doing is looking at the kingdom and giving him thanks for what he's already done. Amen? And so one of the things the master says, and I tell you, I've been waiting about a month to bring this to you, so there's going to be a lot of rabbits in the house today. Because I have preached this about a thousand different ways in the last three weeks, so there's no telling which path I'll take. That was a rabbit right there. For those of you wondering what a rabbit is, you need to come more Sundays. Do not be afraid, the master says. Do not be afraid. I'm reading Luke chapter 12, verse 32 out of the New American Standard. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Now, we're going to do our best. Like I said, i got to lay some groundwork. But I want you to notice what the master didn't say. He didn't say God's given you a corner of the kingdom. He didn't say God gave you a little piece of the kingdom. See, how many of you have ever heard sermons or songs sung about a little piece of the kingdom, a little corner over there? If you'll just give me a cabin on the outskirts, I'll be happy. That sounds stupid. Because it's really poor theology. Because he never said, I'm going to give you a corner of the kingdom. He never said, I'm going to give you a parcel on the outskirts. Jesus Christ, who cannot lie. Y'all with me? I mean, the Bible, For God is capable of doing anything but two things. There's two things God cannot do. Cannot. He cannot lie. He cannot fail. Those are the two things it's impossible for God to do. Jesus Christ never told a lie. So if he said, do not fear little flock, and that's not a, that's not a declaration of numbers, it's a declaration of endearment.
It, it lets you know how affectionately fond he is of you. Amen. Do not fear, O oh precious ones. It's your father's heart, your father's intent, your father's good pleasure, his exceedingly great joy to give you the kingdom. The whole thing. With all of its privileges, all of its promises, and all of its potential. Let the king do his thing. See, you and I, what we've been handicapped by religion and we've been handicapped by our own sense of condemnation. And I'm going to show you this in a little bit. But instead of saying amen to God's direct declarations, we say, oh, my or but. Well, Lord, that would be so wonderful if that was true. But I have failed so many times. I'm this. I'm that. His declarations over you ain't about you. His declarations over you are about Jesus. He's the only one that's altogether worthy. He's the only one that did not fail. He's the only one that dotted every I and crossed every T and fulfilled every commandment. And it's through Him and in Him, not apart from Him, that we have these things. Amen? Let me read you this same, this same verse out of Luke chapter 12, out of the Passion Translation. So don't ever be afraid, the Bible says. Dearest friends, your loving Father joyously gives you His kingdom realm with all of its promises. Amen. Now, like I said, this is an ama if this doesn't wow you, something wrong with you. This is why... I like how Andrew Walmack says it. He says, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the nearly too good to be true news. Because when we hear it preached as it's written, we almost fall back. Yes. That can't be true. It can't be that good. It can't be that easy. And yet it is. It takes religious people to make it complicated. Didn't the Bible say that unless you become like a child, you'll not even enter into the kingdom? Why? Because your mental capacity is going to trip out and flip out and freak out over what he says. You got to be like a child who doesn't try to decipher and analyze. Right? If you give it to them, they just say, thank you. Uh, thank you very much. And then they run away and eat that triple dipped ice cream cone. They don't ever ask, are they worthy of it? No, just a thank you. Uh -huh. And see, you and I need to learn just to attach an amen, a thank you to everything he says. Amen. Lord, if you said it, I just say thank you. Yes. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know how all of the complexities. I'm so glad my hiney ain't on the throne. Yours is. So I just sit here in this place and I just say thank you. Thank you, yes, sir. Thank you for giving me the kingdom. What does all of it mean? It'll take a lifetime to wrap our minds around. But in the meantime, I just understand I'm an inheritor of the kingdom of God. That makes me more than who you think I am. See, you look at me and you just think I'm one amazingly good looking dude. And it's true. I tell myself that every day. But I'm more than that. I'm a child of the king. 
I'm royalty by his decree, not by my, not by my actions, but by his decree. And this statement that Jesus made, it, it may have never been worded this way before, but what I want to show you in the next few moments is this is not a new thing. This is not a new idea. Yeah, I've said it to you before that the plan of God was not altered by the fall of man. See, we got to understand that. We got to understand that the story does not start with Adam and Eve betraying God and eating fruit. The story starts with, in the beginning, God. It doesn't start with, in the beginning, sin. It doesn't start, y'all listening to me. It doesn't start with, in the beginning, curse. It doesn't start with, in the beginning, poverty. It doesn't start with, in the beginning, Adam. It starts with, in the beginning, God. And God's plan is a perfect plan, and he has no substitutes. He has no B, C, or D plan. He has one plan, and it's a perfect plan, and it's a plan that has never been changed and can't be changed by man. What redemption is that you're following me this morning? This is the reason why I've said if we don't understand creation, we'll never truly appreciate redemption. Because redemption is not another plan. It's God's rescue, his restoration back to his original plan. That's right. That's right. He didn't make us something he never had in mind in the first place. That's right. That's good, man. That's true. Just Adam operated outside of the will of God and man fell. Jesus came and restored man. And now God's plan is being carried out again through you and me. But it's his original plan. So I want you to see this. If you'll go to the book of Genesis, if you'll put this up on the screen, I want you to see that this is just this part of God's original plan. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, who said it? God said it. Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. Everyone say dominion. Now I'm going to let you know I'm going to give you a couple confessions today. So just, just cooperate with me. Let them have dominion. Different verses, different translations worded different ways. Some say life mastery, rulership, reign. But the idea is always the same. God said, let us make man in our likeness and in our image and give them authority. Give them the ability to rule in that environment that I place them, not to be made subjects or slaves, but to reign in whatever environment they find themselves in. Give them, them the authority to master life in all of its complexities. That whatever they encounter, whenever they encounter it, they are more than enough to overcome whatever it is. Give them authority. So God's original plan was not for you to be subservient. God's original plan was not for you to be a victim. God's original plan was not for you to be broken. God didn't make broken people. God didn't create hurt people. God created whole people. Amen? So this was in the original, the original plan. Let them have authority. Let them rule. Let them master life. Really, and this will blow some religious mindsets right out of the water. Let them be in the natural realm as I am in the spiritual realm. Yes, sir. Say what? 
That's what the Bible says. Kenneth Copeland didn't, wasn't the first one to say that. If you have trouble with Kenneth Copeland saying it, it ain't because Kenneth Copeland, you're having trouble with the Bible. It's what the Bible says. God didn't create you to be a victim. He created you to be a victor. He created you to be a winner. He created you to be an overcomer. And that's really all redemption is, is piece by piece, step by step. We find our wholeness in Jesus Christ so that we become what we were originally created to be. Not a broken me, not a fragmented me, but a whole me. Created in the image of God, recreated in the image of Christ. So that's why I can say I'm more than who I appear to be because on the inside I'm just like him. And what we need to do is to, instead of living, most of us, we've been trained since babies to live from the outside in. Right? That what happens on the outside finds its way on the inside. And this is the reason why people are depressed. Because they're living from the outside in. And the Bible says, listen, y'all need to learn how to renew your minds and live life not by sight, but by faith. And when you live by faith, you're living from the inside out. So what's on the inside? The Bible does not say, and I'm chasing rabbits all over the place just to let you know. The Bible does not say that life is made up of experiences. The Bible says that the issues of life flow from your heart. The boundaries of life, the experience of life flows from the heart. This is the reason why there are some people, one tragedy is all it takes to break them. And there are other people that can endure tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. And their smile never leaves their face. The pep never leaves their step. The faith never leaves their heart and the victory never leaves their mouth. Because they've learned to live from the inside out. And this is what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. Listen to this. God's purpose, God's ultimate intention is to restore his rulership on earth through redeemed men and women. The will of God is not going to be done through the unbeliever. The will of God is not going to be done through unbelieving politicians. The will of God. Do you know the greatest organization, the most powerful organization on the planet is not the Republican Party. It's not the Democratic Party. It's not the Libertarian Party. The greatest, most powerful organization on the planet is sitting right here this morning. It's the Church of the Living God. And if we would rise up, pray for our nation, get involved, we could turn this thing around because your voice has more authority than the one that sits in the White House. You're an ambassador of the kingdom. Is this okay this morning? So this concept of being an inheritor of the kingdom, of walking in kingdom authority, it's not new. It's old. And it's waiting to be rediscovered. We see this concept again in Paul's writings. If you would, go to the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 15. Listen to what Paul said. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. 
But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit of the living God is within us and he's urging us and prompting us to cry out. He's creator, but he's more than a creator. Some people only know him as creator. Some people only know him as judge. Yes. He's father. And that's what the spirit of God within us cries out. Call him your father. Yes. Yes. The one from which we receive our name. The one from which we receive our identity. Verse 16, and the spirit himself testifies or agrees with our spirit that we are children of God, not going to be. This is important. We are. Because there are some in the church, they want to put off every blessed thing till after death. Come on now. I mean, right down here, all we're going to know is suffering and pain. Every good thing is put off until after. I've read the commentaries on Luke 12, 32, and almost every one of them, I respect their intellect, just not their insight. Almost every one of them says, well, this is certainly heaven. And I beg to disagree. Certainly it, 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 it encompasses heaven. But the promises of God have to do with this life and the life to come. It's a shame when we put off everything till there. Won't we be happy over there, over there? Oh, won't we be happy over there? When that's not what the Bible lays out. I like how Brother Hagin used to say, he used to say, Cleve, we ought to have a little bit of heaven to go to heaven with. So that when we go to heaven, certainly it's the most refined we've ever seen. It's the purest we've ever seen. But it's not altogether alien to us. You understand what I'm saying? It's like it's the best we've ever seen, but we were on the path there already. Listen to this. Verse 17. And if children, heirs, Heirs of God and fellow heirs or joint heirs or co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with them so that we may also be glorified with him. Now I could camp out for a week of Sundays just on this verse right here. But since they're all speaking of the same concept, I need to ask you this. When did we become children of God? Is that after we die? Are we waiting anxiously someday in the great by and by in a land we don't, have never yet visited to become the children of God? Or are we the children of God now? So when did we become the children of God? When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, right? I'm a child of God right now. I'm not going to become a child of God when I die. So what Paul is saying, everyone say, I'm listening. I'm listening. If I am a child of God now, now. then I'm an heir of God now. Yes, sir. 
because my inheritance is based upon my relationship and I'm a child of God. This is what Paul is saying. Are you a child of God? Yes, Yes, I am. Then you're an heir of God. Thank you very much. And not only an heir of God, but a co-heir, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Now, this is where it gets mind-blowing. Can I camp out just a little bit on this? You see, the devil can argue your right to inherit. He can remind you of every mistake you've ever made. He can say you've got no right to receive your inheritance of healing because you did this and this and this. He can contest your right to inherit based upon your unworthiness. Right? But my inheritance is not based upon what I've done. My inheritance, this is the reason why Paul said we are joint heirs with Jesus. Come on, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let me read you, because listen. Reading the words of Charles Spurgeon, who no one could ever accuse of being a faith preacher. He was not a prosperity preacher. But this is what he said. Listen to this. You ready? He said, Jesus must lose the reward of his agonies before we can lose the fruits of them. He said, listen to this. If we get nothing, Christ gets nothing. If Christ receives all, we receive all as well. For his inheritance is our inheritance, both alike. Jesus Christ, the head of all creation, tied his inheritance to my inheritance and my inheritance to his inheritance. Now, he is the elder brother. And as the elder brother, he's the number one in rank. But he's also, as the elder brother, able to say they get everything just like I do. If I get it, they get it. And if you can't deny me, you can't deny them. Oh, I wish we'd understand this. See, because when the enemy comes to contest our rights to be blessed, we agree with the jerk. Right? Because he ain't lying. He tells you what you've done. And we say, well, Mr. Devil, first off, don't ever call him Mr. He ain't worthy of that honor. I don't even like old time preachers calling him Mr. Devil. But he comes and he whispers in our ear on our unworthiness and we sink into unbelief because we agree with him. You're right, I don't deserve to be healed. I don't deserve to be prospered. I don't, I don't deserve this and I don't deserve that and I'm unworthy and he's got you. What we need to say is, you know what? It doesn't matter what I've done. It doesn't matter how many times I failed. It doesn't matter how many mistakes I made. My, it, I'm a joint heir with Jesus. And if you want to contest his will and his testament, you contest him. And until you can deny him, you can't deny me. So I receive what is mine by inheritance in Jesus' name. We are an heir of God. What does it mean to be an heir? It means to be a beneficiary. Of something in writing. Such as a will or a testament. If you're an heir, that means what's written 
in the will. And it can't be contested. Because even if you go to court, my daddy's the judge. My elder brother is the one who died. And if it's written, my uncertainty is unnecessary. If he said it, all I got to do is say, thank you very much. I believe I'll receive my inheritance now. Why? Because I ain't waiting till I die. Because the inheritance was enacted upon his death. This is, listen, you and I are so much more than who we have ever been taught we are. We're joint heirs. We're seated in heavenly places with Christ now. Our voice has authority now. Our faith is in operation now. Let's say this together. This morning, I have the spirit of a son. I know that my heart loves God. And I look to him as my father. With trust, with confidence, and with love. I am his child. Because I have the spirit of a son. Then I am his heir. I am the heir of God. A beneficiary of grace. <laughs> Listen to this. As an inheritance, the kingdom belongs to us by legal right. By legal right. Now next week I'm going to get into that the kingdom of God is not so much about property or place. This is the reason why you can't relegate it to just being heaven. The kingdom of God encompasses everywhere the authority of God is at work. You following me? When Jesus was questioned about the kingdom of God, he said, you make a mistake when you say the kingdom of God's over there, the kingdom of God's over there. He said the kingdom of God is within you. Right? So if we've received the kingdom of God, it really has more to do with position. What we are made to be in him. Miles Monroe said the kingdom of God is the only kingdom in all of history populated entirely, entirely by royalty. There's no paupers. There's no beggars. There's no broken people. This is the reason why in the book of Revelations, the Lord is revealed as the king of kings. Not the king of broken people. The king, oh, come on now. The king of kings. Now, being a king in the kingdom is not about going buying a plastic lawn chair, painting it gold, sitting it on the stage and wearing a stupid little crown. We got to get beyond that. The kingdom of God, the being a king or a queen in the kingdom of God is about service. And it's about having the authority to turn darkness into light and sorrow into joy and brokenness into salvation. It's about having his anointing to be able to walk into a broken place and declare wholeness. About walking into a place filled with darkness, a witch's den, 
and watching the witches crumble. Because all of their vexes and their hexes and all the other things they do mean nothing when a child of light enters into the place. It means about walking through the earth as an agent of change, being unafraid of anything. Why? Because I've inherited the kingdom. I have his life. I have his nature. I have his abilities. Mm. Listen to this. The kingdom of God is not a promise to be fulfilled in the next life. It is a possession to be employed and enjoyed in this life. A promise is no longer a promise when it becomes a possession. I'm going to give you a little illustration here. If I were to look at Jorge and say, I promise to give you $100. First off, disclaimer, I ain't saying that. This is for illustration purposes only. This is not a deal that you're hearing. I just got to say that because he was already saying thank you. I like faith. I'm just denying it right now. Hmm. But if I promise him $100 and he trusts my character, he can talk about it, he can get happy about it, he can look forward to it. The one thing he can't do is spend it because it remains a promise. But when I come to him and I hand him the $100 bill, it's no longer a promise. It's now a possession. Now he can use it however he sees fit. You following me? You and I have got to learn to differentiate between what remains a promise and what's already been fulfilled. And if it's already been fulfilled, quit waiting for it. Just go ahead and take it because it's been granted and given by Jesus Christ. Well, pastor, I sure hope you got chapter and verse. Baby, if you don't know me by now. I wouldn't say it if I didn't have chapter and verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. You ready? For as many as are the promises of God. That's just a way of saying each and every one of them. Everything that was a promise under the old covenant. Every one of them. Each and every one of them. In Him... Are yes. Which means that each and every promise in Him has an affirmative response to it. I love the Bible, man. I, I just, my only aspiration is to live up to it. In Him, every promise, every one of them. They have an affirmative response. He's no longer saying, well, if you just hold on a little longer, if you just wait a little while. See, people ask me sometimes, well, Pastor, what about this? We got to understand the difference between our individual callings and redemption. What he redeemed us from, we're already redeemed to. What he's called us to do, we're growing into. Right? So those are the things that are off in the future. If God called you to be the CEO or maybe a CFO, of a multinational conglomerate, but you don't even know how to balance a checkbook, you ain't ready yet. you got to grow into that. So that's waiting for you to grow into it. But things like healing and prosperity 
and being redeemed from the curse of the law, those things are already yours. Don't ever let anybody put you under a curse if you're redeemed. If you're the redeemed of the Lord, you ought to say so. I'm not waiting to be redeemed from a curse. Because all of the promises of God, His promise to meet every need, His promise to fulfill the desires of the heart, his promise to give me houses I didn't build, to drink from wells I didn't dig, to eat from vineyards I didn't plant. His promise to make me the head and not the tail, to an overcomer and not beneath. Amen. And all the others, Hallelujah. too numerous to count, Hallelujah. each and every one of them through Jesus Christ yes. have a divine yes attached to them. Yes. Now let's keep reading. Therefore, based on that, also through him is our amen. 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 What's that mean? Uh -huh. So be it. Right. It doesn't mean question it. It doesn't mean doubt it. It means if it's a yes. Right. We don't say, well, Father, you're so gracious, but I'm so unworthy. No, we just say amen. amen Thank you, Father. Thank you, no. If it eases your conscience... You can tell him, Father, you know, between you and me and no one else, you know I don't deserve this. But I thank you. <laughs> I don't need to declare my unworthiness to you. The only thing I got to do to you is point at it and say, look what the Lord has done. Yes. Pastor, how'd you get that? Look what the Lord has done. Yes. Pastor, how do, you, how, do you, how do you live there? Look what the Lord has done. Yes. How have you done? Look what the Lord has done. Yes. You following me? Yes, sir. Our response to God ought to be an immediate amen, amen. not an excuse. No, Can I say this to you? I told you I'm just laying all the groundwork. We won't even get to Luke 12, 32 much this week. Excuses will cost us our seat at the table. Excuses will cost us our seat at the table. Luke chapter 14 Verse 16 through 18. Listen to this. Here's a parable the master said. Is this okay this morning? Yes, sir. But he said to him, a man, and he's using this parable to reveal the father. A man was giving a big dinner and he invited many. Everyone say he invited, he invited. many. Remember, Cleve was sharing some of my Jimmyisms last week. Every divine declaration is a divine invitation. If he said it, he's not saying it just to say it because he needs to hear the harmony of his own voice or the melody. He's saying it because he wants you and I to enter into that. Yes. So a man was having a big dinner and he invited many, verse 17, and at the dinner hour he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, listen to this, come for everything is ready now. Selah. Everything is ready now. Everything is ready now. Now, let me try this side. Everything is ready now. I'll try my wife. Everything. We got to get it. Everything, Everything is ready, ready. 
now. But listen, verse 18. But they all alike began to make excuses. Now, our excuses may not be like theirs, but their excuses cost them their seat at the table. Our excuses will cost us our seat at the table. When God tells us, Lamar, come on in, it's all ready now. He doesn't want to hear you tell him how unworthy you are. He doesn't want to hear you tell him how you got other things to do. He doesn't want to hear you tell him how you're too busy doing this or that or the other thing. Because your excuses will cost you your seat at the table. When he says it's ready now, enter in, our only response is amen. amen. And then we put on our best George Jefferson walk. What are we doing? We're moving on up. To the east side. <laughs> to a big old apartment in the sky. Right? Because we're putting our days of poverty and brokenness and shame and condemnation behind us. Because the Father has said, I've set the table. It's all ready. Enter into it now. If he didn't mean now, he wouldn't have said now. If he would have meant later, he would have said later. We are an inheritor of the kingdom. Listen to this. When we make excuses, we oppose the plan of God. It's tight, but it's right. When we make excuses, we find ourselves opposing the will of God because what he wants to do in our life, we're saying, your grace ain't sufficient. Your word ain't enough. Lord, I, I'm still suffering with the shame of my brokenness. I'm still suffering. I'm still dealing with the ashes. Watch, I'm throwing them up in the air and I'm having my own little pity party, Lord. And what he's saying is, why don't you throw off that beggar's coat because I've already given you back your sight. Mm. When we say amen, we cooperate with the plan of God. Let the king do his thing. So there are some of you, and I lump myself, we all part of this together. Don't dare think we got it together. We all walking this out. We're going together into our future. Now, I will say, this: at this moment in time, my wife and I have it better than we've ever had it. Because we've been homeless. We got a home. <laughs> It may not be in what you call a good neighborhood, but it ain't bad. <laughs> ain't bad at all. I got two cars. They all paid for. Yes, Granted, one's old enough it could buy alcohol if it was a child, but it don't matter. It's mine. That's all right, you follow what I'm saying? But here's the thing. Are we satisfied? No, because we keep moving on up. Amen. But as he blessed us, yes. Yeah. Because I have learned to receive and quit making excuses and I'm letting the king do his thing without excuse and without shame and I don't, I don't apologize for the blessings of the Lord. Amen. You follow what I'm saying? So you and I need to learn just to say amen. When he wants to increase you, let him increase you. Let the king do his thing. Because all he wants from us is our faith. 
All he wants from us is that hearty amen that says, God, I don't understand it. I don't know why you would be so good to me. I don't know why you would do so much for me. I don't need. Quit telling God what you need. Can I, can I, can I meddle? Can we keep it real just a bit? You telling God what you need is a sign of your selfishness. God, I, I don't need that big house. I just need this one. I just need a little house. I just, I just need an old car. You're just thinking about yourself. Come on. Like we're keeping it real. Because God blesses you to make you a blessing. If, if, if I got a, car, a call from Lewis in the middle of the night, and he says, Pastor, I don't know what happened, and I don't know where I am, but I'm so far out here, I barely got a phone signal. My old car just died. Can you come get me? And I say, well, Lewis, you know, I'd love to, bro, but I got four flats. My starter ain't starting and my alternator ain't alternating. I can't be an agent of change in his life because I haven't let the Kang do his thing. And all I've told the Lord is all I need is that old clunker just to get me by because I don't want anyone to think I'm arrogant. Now, if I would let the king do his thing and he gave me 12 cars and they all ran and they all looked good and they were various sizes and shapes and colors. Well, pastor, do you need 12 cars? No, but it ain't about what I need because he gives us the power to create wealth that we might establish his covenant upon the planet. It ain't about just it ain't about just hoarding things onto myself. But it's about having the ability and the resources that when Lewis calls me in the middle of the night and I say, Lewis, I'll come get you, bro. But before I do, I got to ask you, do you like trucks, sedans or SUVs? Well, pastor, I don't really care. I just, I just want you to come pick me up. I just need a ride. No, bro, that's not what I ask you. Do you like trucks, sedans or SUVs? Well, I'm kind of a minivan kind of guy. I, I, I thought about, yeah. What kind of minivan you like? I like white one, okay? You like Honda, Toyota? What do you, I, I like the Honda, white one. So I come out, and my wife's following me, and I drive out, and I, I pick him up in a white Honda minivan because he's a minivan kind of guy. And, and, and so I say, now, Lewis, here, go ahead and go home. And he said, well, Pastor, when do you want me to return it? I can say, I never said nothing about returning it. I didn't say nothing about returning it. I have let the king do his thing. And what the king wanted me to do was bless you. Huh? Well, do you think somebody actually needs a winter house, a spring house, a fall house? You can have as many houses as you want so that when you discover there's a beloved grandma sitting here in the church, barely has enough money to pay rent on a shack, you can say, how many bedrooms do you need? Well, I really, I have five grandbabies I'm raising. You need five bedrooms and you need a master suite. You know what? I just happen to have one. I know as well as you do, there's been a lot of preachers that have abused prosperity. That's between them and God. Don't let them and their immaturity 
cost you your blessing. Let the king do his thing in your life so you can be an agent of change in the people around you so that you have more than enough not only to meet your need but to give to every charitable donation. When you, when you discover that there's a remote village in Africa that doesn't have any water and it's going to cost 25000 to dig a well, you can say, Pastor, I got it. I got that. You see what I'm saying? Let the king do his thing. Because the reason he wants to give us the kingdom is so that we can use the resources of the kingdom to spread the kingdom across the planet. Oh. Did I, did, 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 did I even give us our second confession yet? Okay, confession number two. Let's say this together. Is this okay this morning? Father, I offer you my faith, not my excuses. If you said it, I believe it. And that settles it. I say amen. No buts come between me and your great, big, beautiful plan for my life. Now go to Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Is this helping you this morning? See, with this... Unless we let the king do his thing in our lives, we'll never have the ability, the anointing, or the resources to make change. And so the church languishes in obscurity. And at best, it becomes a little club or a house of entertainment. And what it needs to be is a power-packed house filled with apostles and prophets, evangelists and pastors and teachers that make a difference in our environment that impacts our world and spreads the light near and far. But in order to do that, we've got to walk like the king walked. You know, Jesus never denied his kingship. When, when, when the one in authority said, are you a king? He said, you said that. You know what he was saying? Can I paraphrase it? He said, you got that right, bro. That's exactly, he didn't deny it. He said, you got that right. I'm the type of king you ain't never seen before. And if I wanted to, all I'd have to do is ask the father for a legion of angels. You think your Roman empire is something so great? I'm such a king that with one legion of angels, I wipe you all out. He was a king. He walked through life as a king, but he used his kingship to serve. He used his sovereignty to make the lives of the prostitute and the tax collector and the broken woman at the well better. And that's what he wants us to do. Don't use your authority to lavish things upon yourself, but when you have exceedingly abundant resources, look for opportunities to make a difference in the lives of the people around you. Because now I've blessed you and I've given you a kingdom so you can use the resources Sources of that kingdom to make a difference in yeah. your environment. That's it, man. it is your father's good pleasure. Now I want to stop right there. We got to begin with what the father wants, not with what we want. Remember, I told you at the beginning of the sermon, we always start with God. 
In the beginning, God, God, what do you want? Father, thy will be done. When you wake up in the morning, Father, what is it you need? Begin with God. Paul always began with God. He didn't begin with men. He didn't begin with Paul. He began with God. Jesus said, it is the Father's good pleasure. It's all about the Father. It ain't about whether you need the kingdom. It's the Father's pleasure. The Father takes pleasure in the prosperity of His servants. That word prosperity, we would know it as shalom, sozo. Nothing broken, nothing missing. It's the Father's good pleasure that you be completely whole. It's your Father's good pleasure that you walk in this life as a child of God, not a pauper, not one beaten down, not one broken. God didn't create broken people. God can't fully use broken people. He loves broken people and He's committed to broken people, but He never leaves a broken person broke. He needs us to be whole so that He can release us to our destiny. And say, now go forth and do what I called you to do. Because you got my life. You're completely whole now. You lack for nothing. So it's the Father's good pleasure. See, this is where we can't offer excuses. Who are we to deny the Father his pleasure? You see, when I understand it's about the Father's pleasure, now I can receive without shame. I'm not embarrassed by what God's given me. I don't feel condemnation or embarrassment over what I don't have, and I don't feel the need to apologize over what I do have. Because if I have it, I received it without manipulation. God gave it to me. And especially when it's one of those God deals. You following me? So I don't, have to, I don't have to hide his blessings because I understand even there was one time. Is this OK this morning? Yes, uh, I'll bring it to a close. I, I already gave you the prophecy. Y'all will leave and I'll stand here preaching. It don't matter. I already prophesied it. My father, my, my, my biological dad has never been a part of my life, but I only remember two gifts he ever gave me in my whole life. One was a bicycle when I was a child and one was a watch when I became an adult. And I, I, I treasured that watch, not because it was priceless, but because of who gave it to me. I didn't really need the watch. And one day we were preaching in Ireland and a preacher looked at me. It wasn't a Rolex, but it looked a lot like a Rolex. I remember, was it a citizen or something like that? It was a couple hundred dollars, not a couple thousand, but back then it might as well have been a couple thousand. And that preacher said, that's a pretty watch. And on the inside, instantly I heard the Lord say, give it to him. My instant response was, I rebuke you, Mr. Devil. Back then, I was still calling him Mr. And I heard that still gentle voice. I said, give it to him. I want to bless him with it. It's about what the Father wants. So because the Father said it, see, you can't do this if you don't have it. But when you have it, you can take it and you can give it. You got to let the king do his thing so that you can be a representative of the king. Even in ancient Israel, you know, Proverbs says this over and over and over again in different ways. But it says essentially, Steve, that the wisdom of a poor man is unheeded. It's unwanted. Historically, all of the prophets of Israel were wealthy men. A, because they were blessed because they obeyed God, but because also because they were wealthy, you want to listen to what they said. You following me? So we need to let the king do his thing so our light can shine. I know I'm blowing your minds right now. But see, 
the prosperity ain't about just having longer cars and VCRs and DVDs and SUVs. The blessings of the Lord is about having the resources that when you meet someone who lacks, you can be to them what God would be if he were standing in your place. You not only have the anointing to lay your hands upon the sick and see them recover, but you have the ability to meet their material needs, to feed them, not for a day, but for a month. Is this okay? All right, let me read you just a few more verses. It's about God's ultimate plan and his purposes. I want to read to you out of Ephesians chapter 1, and then we'll bring this to a close eventually. Hallelujah, Father. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him, that's what I want you to see, chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So before, the founda- before sin ever messed it up, I was meant to live in him. That we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. So this is what I want you to see. It's his will that we come up. It's his will that we be restored. It's his will that we be refreshed. It's his will that we be renewed. It's not about us. It's not about what we can or cannot do. It's not about what we need or don't need. It's really not. It's about our Father's plan. It's about our Father's intention. It's about our Father restoring His rulership in the planet through redeemed men and women. So when I'm going to bring it to a close, I ain't done. But we can pick up with it next week. When I say let the King do His thing, I'm not just talking about Him lavishing things on you, which He will do. He'll give you so much you can't possibly give it all away. And then here's, here's the trap, Cleve. The more you give away the more he brings back. I've heard from people far above where I am right now, it never stops. Jerry Savelle said he had to stop giving away Harleys because he gave away a Harley and then pretty soon he had two. So he gave two and pretty soon he had four. And eventually his wife came to him and said, Jerry, don't give another bike away. <laughs> but wouldn't it be fun to try to outgive God? I mean, really, wouldn't... <laughs> Can you imagine a life made of the pure pleasure of giving where we have graduated because now we know who we are in him and we've graduated past the place of just getting food for the table we've graduated past the place of wondering how we're going to pay our bills at the end of the month and we suddenly find ourselves in a new place because we have let the king do his thing and now we're living in a land of abundance and now our life when we wake up in the morning I'm not wondering about how I'm going to get what I need I'm wondering about how I'm going to give what I got to give because I just got a letter from the bank and they said the FDCA can't even insure your money no more you got to change accounts is it the FDCA I don't even know because I ain't got that letter yet huh yeah that one you understand the pure pleasure of walking throughout, when you're in the grocery line and you know there's someone behind you and you feel that thing on the inside, pay for their groceries. And so you just, you hand the lady your credit card and say, just ring up all of theirs. 
Huh? Yes, sir. What are you trying to do? I ain't nobody's fool. You ain't paying. I just, ma'am, all I want to do is obey God. Jesus loves you. Amen. Who loves me? Yep. Jesus. Jesus told you to do that. Yep. I didn't think I was going to be able to pay for all the groceries. Uh, can I get more? Uh-huh. <laughs> and you can say, ma'am, get whatever you want. Get whatever you want. How many grandbabies you got? Do they have toys? No. They would today. Amen. You see what I'm saying? Yes. I'm closing with this. I read in one of my books many years ago that there was a monarch, and I assume it's a true story, who said the greatest thing about being a king is the ability to make so many people happy. That's the heart of a true monarch. That's the heart of a true king, and that's who he wants us to be. Selfless kings, selfless queens, who use what he has blessed us with to make people happy. Jesus Christ, anointed of the Holy Ghost, went about doing good. And you and I, because we have inherited so great an inheritance, can busy ourselves going around doing Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Let's lift our hands. Jaleesa, if you'd get ready to come up, if we could have our prayer team come up. We have some announcements we want to share with you. I want to say before we close, thank you so many of you for stepping up to be partners with RLC and helping in our much-needed areas because I think you're still hooked up. I'm not satisfied with this building. I am looking for our new home. And recently, one of our members said, Pastor, do we have a plan? Yeah, we got a plan. And you're populating that plan by your willingness to participate and partner with us. Because we're we're not equipping ourselves for what we have now. We're equipping ourselves for the next phase. Amen. So I just want to say thank you. Now with your hands lifted and your hearts wide open. Father, we know your plan is bigger than we've ever thought. That you're capable of doing more than we've ever imagined. And so Father, right now we choose faith over doubt. We believe in your word as we believe in you. And so Father, this morning we say... We are going to let the king do his thing in our lives. And Father, we will no longer offer you excuses, but we offer you our faith. And we are yours to increase. We are yours to improve. We are yours to use in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Hallelujah, Father. Hello, everyone. Hello. Good morning. It's so great to see you today. All right. 
So, um, welcome to online community. We see you guys. <laughs> and we hope to see you here one day. And if you